Hi, Tyndale community and friends. My name is Daniel Mills, and I'm thankful and grateful for the opportunity to share with you a message today titled, The Fruit of Suffering. I know we're all living through a very unique uh, season in history, a very unprecedented time as we deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. And for some of us, this has been a very difficult season, a season full of hardships uh, and trials and problems and new things that we have to navigate. For others, they've seen a lot of good things that have happened through this season. In the midst of it all, I really believe that God has a unique purpose and meaning to the difficulties and hardships that we're facing. I'd like to tell you a story of a woman named Sarah. Not her real name, but the story is real. And it comes from overseas, told by a Christian businesswoman who helped Sarah. See, Sarah uh, grew up in a very difficult situation, and her parents got uh, married her off at the age of 14 to an alcoholic man. She was able to divorce him eventually because of the difficulty she was going through, and after that, her parents got her married again. This time, she thought that this man was a, a little bit better. Unfortunately, uh, after Sarah got pregnant, uh, he started sleeping around and abusing her. She was in a hopeless and desperate situation. During this time of COVID-19, she was looking around for work in order to provide for her family who didn't have food to eat. And um, by a providence, uh, she met a Christian businesswoman who was able to hire her and also give her an advance on her salary so she, go and, she could go and buy the food that was needed for her family. And that really blessed Sarah uh, immensely. And as this Christian businesswoman started to get to know Sarah, she started to share about the love of Jesus. And Sarah started to share more about her life as well. And as she heard these stories uh, that Sarah had gone through and the difficulty she had gone through, the Christian businesswoman was reminded of the story of Hagar and shared with Sarah how Hagar went through similar situations of difficulties and hardships, but God saw her in her difficulty and hardship and God met her and Sarah started to think oh am I like that lady Hagar in the Bible and does God really see me but as this Christian businesswoman started to share about the love of Jesus and mentioned the name of Jesus it reminded Sarah of another another incident that had happened years before in her life some years prior to this, some outsiders had visited her, her small village and started to share and speak about Jesus, and miracles started to happen in that place. One day, her husband at the time be, began to beat her, and uh, she started to bleed, and she ran away to her brother-in-law's place uh, as she was bleeding and looking for help and support. To her surprise, she didn't realize that her brother-in-law had started attending these Jesus meetings and he prayed for Sarah and immediately the bleeding stopped and she couldn't believe it. And she was wondering, is this same person that this Christian businesswoman sharing about, is this same Jesus, the one that her brother-in-law spoke about and prayed in his name? Anyways, to make a long story short, a few weeks later, uh, Sarah placed her faith in Jesus and started to tell others about Jesus. See, Sarah went through some very difficult trials and difficult situations, but it was all for a purpose to bring her about to saving faith and saving grace in Jesus Christ. Through all the difficulties, God led her to a situation and a time when she could come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'll all go through trials and difficulties, but the Lord can use this in a beautiful way to bring us closer to himself. 
Uh, in the book of 1 Peter, we see how Peter is writing to a group of churches throughout Asia who are going through a real time of trial and difficulty. They're going through some hardships and persecution and suffering. And Peter is writing to encourage them and to bless them and to help them to continue to press forward. Chapter 4 specifically talks a lot about some of this suffering. But in, this, in, in 1 Peter 4, we read a, a little bit of how Peter talks about the fruit of suffering or the result of suffering. What should actually happen? as we go through sufferings and difficulties. And Peter is trying to encourage the church this way. And uh, in this message as well, I'd like to encourage us as well to see and seek after the fruit of suffering uh, in our lives. In his book, uh, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, Timothy Keller makes a, a number of interesting propositions. And he says in one place, Christianity teaches that contra-fatalism suffering is overwhelming, contra Buddhism, suffering is real, contra karma, suffering is often unfair, but contra secularism, suffering is meaningful. There is a purpose to it, and if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. I thought that quote from Timothy Keller was quite, um, quite meaningful as he talks about suffering and the purpose behind it and how it can drive us into a deeper love for God. And so I'd like to just highlight three things that I see in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 regarding the result of suffering. One is a deep desire to do the will of God. Two, a deep love for one another. And three, a deep joy in the midst of suffering. There's really uh, no better person to talk about this than Peter because Peter went through some sufferings and persecutions. We read in the book of Acts how at one point <clears throat> Peter was uh, and the other apostles were doing many signs and miracles and they were put into prison. An angel came and let them out and w they were back in the streets preaching. The high priest caught them again uh, and the religious people came and brought them and put them on trial. They told them they should not preach in the name of Jesus and um, they beat them and for, for preaching in the name of Jesus. And that's why in Acts 5, in verse 41, it says, The apostles left the high council, rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. So they were rejoicing because they were accounted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. I think this is really significant because here again, the apostles didn't look at suffering, persecution, trials, difficulty as something that was negative, as something that was hindering their walk with the Lord, but actually they looked at it as something that was a positive, something that aided them in their relationship with Jesus, something actually, in many senses, to look forward to so that they were actually able to rejoice. So Peter really knows what he's talking about. And again, in this season of the pandemic, there are many that are going through suffering, maybe a loss of a job, a loss of a loved one, mental agony, physical pain, emotional isolation and suffering. I know I've had to uh, do, I remember a funeral that I did uh, a few months ago, and it was very difficult because I couldn't hug the family. The family had very few people that were there. They couldn't have their friends there to support them. It was a funeral like no other. And I saw the pain that that family was going through and it was very difficult. So it hasn't been an easy season for, for many people. But Peter tells us how we should react 
to suffering and pain and difficulty. And one thing, the first thing is a deep desire to do the will of God. 1 Peter 4 verse 1 and 2 says, For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. See, Peter here makes a a comparison uh, that as you go through suffering, the power of sin, the desire for sin, the longing for sin is broken. And instead, there is a desire to do the will of God. He talks about things that they enjoyed doing before, immorality, lust, reckless and wild living, drunkenness, uh, wild parties, idolatry. He talks about all these things that they used to do and how that's broken because they've gone through, through suffering. They've gone through difficult times. And suffering tends to be able to help us to refocus our vision on what really matters and what's really important in life. And that's doing God's will. If we look back in the Old Testament at the example of Esther, there was a time for Queen Esther. She was brought into the palace. She was the queen over all of the land. And uh, she was challenged at one point when her people, the Jewish people, were at the point of being annihilated, being killed off. And Mordecai challenged her and said, Esther, could it be that you have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? And Esther finally had to decide. And she said, look, I'll go and approach the king. And I'm not supposed to, and I might lose my life if I do, but I will approach the king. And if I die, I die. See, Esther's vision was able to be refocused on what really mattered. It wasn't the opulence of the palace. It wasn't the riches and glory that she shared in the palace or the privileges that she enjoyed being there. That really didn't matter. What mattered was doing God's will. And Mordecai challenged her on that and said, maybe you've come to the palace for this specific time to rise up at this point of challenge and need. And Esther responded. She saw what really mattered. The suffering that her people were going to go through helped her to refocus her vision on what really matters. And I wonder how many of us, uh, we have been able to, have we been able to run to the Lord because of this pandemic? Has the difficulties and sufferings refocused our vision, uh, refocused our priorities, given us a revelation on what really matters, on what really counts? Uh, Have Has this pandemic really helped us to see what really should be the first place and the most important in our life? To realize that our relationship with God and family and friends and and being there for them uh, really counts and is really important uh, in our lives. The fruit of suffering should be a desire to do the will of God, to run to the Lord. Sadly, the lens of suffering can either focus us on Christ, which is a good thing, or sadly can take us away from the beauty of Jesus. Suffering can be the lens that causes people to either believe or disbelieve in God. Uh, suffering can be the lens to help us to either grow in Christ-likeness or decline in Christ-likeness. Uh, suffering can either help us to rejoice in God or become bitter at God. It can help us to either do the will of God or, or do our own self-will. It can help us to either love Jesus or uh, make Him the cause of all of our pain. Suffering has a way of pushing people to God or causing us to really run away from God because we can't deal with the suffering and pain. So I want to encourage you just to refocus on Jesus and run to him. Realize that there's meaning meaning in the suffering, and we'll talk about that near the end of this message. Uh, The second second thing is that uh, I think the fruit of suffering is a deep love for one another. If we're going through suffering, persecutions, problems, and difficulties, many times it can cause us to be very self-centered and self-focused. We see our problems, we see our difficulties, and we just think about 
what we're going through and we say, woe is me. Peter says the, the opposite, that a life of suffering should lead us to a life of service through deep love for one another. 1 Peter 4.8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers the multitudes of sin. In this time of the pandemic, we can choose to be self-centered or we can choose to show deep love for one another. And Peter goes on to list, after verse uh, 8, he goes on to list a number of gifts and talents that can we can use in order to bless others and show deep love for others. Maybe it's to make a meal for someone or to provide a place for someone to stay. Hospitality in general is a, is a wonderful way in which we can show love to others. Uh, he talks about the gift of speaking and how we can use our words to bless others, encourage others, and build up others. He talks about the gift of helping, of how we can use that gift of helps in order to uh, encourage others, in order to be there to help one another in their time of need. Paul wrote a number of letters to, uh, to churches to encourage them, and some of those letters he wrote from prison. In the midst of his own suffering and pain, he showed deep love one to another. In the Old Testament, we read of a, uh, a prophet who was uh, known as the suffering prophet, Jeremiah. And uh, he spoke the word of God at great cost to his own life because of suffering. Uh, and there was one point when Jeremiah said, look, I'm not going to talk about the word of the Lord anymore. I'm not going to speak God's word. But then he says in Jeremiah 20 verse 9, he says the word of God was within him and he had to speak it out. It was like a fire within him. He had to use that gift of speaking God's word, of encouraging others, of uh, blessing others. And so we need to do the same, to use those gifts and talents in order to show deep love one for another. Maybe we've been blessed in these days by the deep love of friends and family around us. And let's be challenged as well to show deep love to friends and family and others around us as well, to share the love of God with those that especially are marginalized to those that are disenfranchised. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus and share God's love one, in, one with another. Let's not concentrate on our own sufferings, but as Peter says here, let's show deep love to others. And the last thing, and something that's very unique to Christianity, is a deep joy in the midst of suffering. You know, trials will come to everyone. Christian or not, it's part of life. Um, but I think there are certain things that sets Christ followers apart from others. For example, love is a very universal ethic in our world today, and we want to love others, but it's something that's very broad, Christian or non-Christian. But I think what sets Christians apart is the fact that we are called to love our enemies, and loving our enemies is not a universal ethic right now. But we're called to love our enemies, and that sets us apart as Christ followers. Another thing I think that sets us apart from Christ as Christ followers and reflects the values of God's kingdom is that we rejoice in suffering. And that's something that's unusual and unique to those that follow uh, Jesus' teachings. 1 Peter 4 verse 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Peter writes about two joys here, one right now because we are made partakers in Christ's suffering, and another that is a joy to come in eternity. But when you think about rejoicing in suffering, that's something that's just strange. Who does those sort of things? 
But I think uh, there's a perspective that we need, a, a kingdom worldview, a kingdom perspective that is often not seen, but that's really important when it comes to suffering. Timothy Keller, again, in that same book says, in the secular view, suffering is never seen as, meaning, as a meaningful part of life, but only as an interruption. And that's often what we look like, look at sufferings like. We think, oh, this is just a problem. This is just a negative thing. This is just getting in my way of following Jesus and doing God's will. But that's really not the Christian perspective or worldview. Keller also says, while other worldviews world lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. See, Keller lays out in his book that the Western view of suffering and evil is really an argument against the existence of God. Because if God's good, then he should take away all suffering. And Timothy Keller says this is really a modern secular view that's been around probably for about 200 years. Uh, it, the modern secular view is that if God exists, he should make us happy. And this is why people try to avoid pain and suffering. But the Christian perspective and worldview actually answers the idea of suffering because it's rooted in the sovereignty of God and the fact that our Lord, our God, Jesus Christ himself came down and suffered for us. The Christian worldview is one that gives meaning to suffering because it gives us hope. See, the fruit of suffering for Christ is the fruit of going through trials with a vision of Christ, and that will bring us great joy. We need to see things through the Christian perspective, that suffering is not just something that's painful and bad and negative, that impedes our walk with the Lord, that impedes us from doing the will of God, or that impedes us from actually enjoying life. But suffering is actually something that can drive us into a deeper, more profound and loving relationship with Jesus. If we see suffering as a means of growing closer to the Lord and tasting the joys of Jesus, then we will welcome suffering. We will invite suffering and we will be able to understand why Paul says in other places, I rejoice in suffering. I look forward to suffering. And that's not something that's normal or innate to human beings, but it's something that's very unique to a Christ follower as we live uh, the principles of the kingdom of God. To be able to take sufferings as something that is something unique and wonderful that allows us to draw closer to Jesus. That's why as we read that verse before, the, the apostles, they were rejoicing because they were accounted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Why were they so happy? Why were they so joyful? Because they saw sufferings as something that was meaningful and purposeful that drove them into a deeper relationship with Christ. And I think especially during this time of the pandemic, if we can see our suffering and our pain as a way of drawing closer to Jesus, we'll find great meaning in the trials and in the difficulties. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So it's not that you have a, a smile on your face all the time. You can be sorrowful because things are not going well. But joy and happiness is really not dependent on our situations and circumstances, but it should be dependent on our relationship with Jesus. And if our relationship with Jesus is growing and intimate and deep and wonderful, then we can rejoice, even if things around us in a, in a very physical sense are falling apart. Even if there's sorrow around us, if that deep joy in Jesus is there, we can rejoice. 1 Peter 1 and verse 6 says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, 
even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I'll just close with a story from uh, shared by the organization Open Doors of a man named Samson in Myanmar. The, a pastor shared the good news of Jesus with Samson and his family, and Samson put his faith in Jesus. The village that he was living in found out, and the village chief found out, and they had a big meeting to try to convince them, uh, convince Samson not to believe in Jesus and to deny his faith. However, Samson stayed firm. The next morning, five trucks came and dropped hundreds of stones in front of Samson's house. He didn't know what this was all about. But the next day, as Samson and his daughter were praying, they heard shouts outside saying, Kill him! Samson, ask your God to save you! And they started stoning the house and breaking the doors and windows as they were stoning uh, uh, Samson's house. Miraculously, their lives were spared, even though they had some head injuries. After that, the organization Open Doors was, was able to come in and take them into a safe house. But listen to what Samson said, and this is what really struck me. This is what he said. He said, the police officer came and asked the pastor who helped us whether we wanted to file a case or not. We said we didn't want to file a case. We will forgive them. We will be patient. After accepting Jesus, I can love anyone. Even if people hate me, I can love them. Because God is a loving God. God is love. We are sinners. We need to accept Jesus Christ. We can't compromise with eternal life. Buddhists are good people, but we can't follow Buddhism. Our faith is in Jesus. In my life, I never had peace. Before, I didn't have peace. Now in Jesus, my life is peaceful. Even though I don't have money, even though I don't have anything, as long as I have Jesus, now listen to what he says here, I am joyful. Before, even though we had money, we, weren't not, we were not happy. There was no peace. Now I have peace. I am happy. I have joy. This is my Christian life. This is such an amazing testimony that sticks out to me so, so wonderfully, how this man, Samson, could have joy, such amazing joy, in the midst of profound suffering. And I think it's a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to me that even in, I might not be going through as much as Samson's gone through, but even in the midst of difficult situations, trials, and hardships that we face, especially in the season of the pandemic, let's learn to trust the Lord and be joyful in every situation. That last verse in 1 Peter 4 says, and I'll just leave this with you. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Friends, the Lord will never fail us. Let's continue to trust him. God bless you.